human design views is like the sustainable motor, like the sustainable energy source. The manifesting generators and generators have that. The reflectors, the projectors, and the manifestors don't have that. And it's not that you don't have any energy, but you just have a different quality of energy. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Police podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. Super glad you're here, and I'm super glad that the seasons are changing. Fall is always like a funny thing because there's some group of people that is like, yes, fall, give me all the pumpkin spice. And then there's like a whole group of people that's like, shut up about the pumpkin spice. And I am here for the pumpkin spice. I like it. Call me basic. I think basic things are universally likable because so many people like them and that's why they're deemed basic. It's just a silly thing. But I used to be like a little bit too cool for school with this type of stuff too, but lately I just lean into the cheesiness and I like it. So there's just not a lot to cheer us up lately. So if you like pumpkin stuff and if you like cheesy holiday stuff, then just go for it is what I say. I also read somewhere that fall and like September, October is more of a reset for some people because of back to school and it's like a new year for kids if you have kids in school and it just serves as like a big transition in our society and I'm here for it. I love transitions. I love seasons changing and we're starting to feel a little bit of it. It's definitely still on the warmer side in Colorado still but should be calming down or cooling down this week starting to so here for it. Hope you're noticing and leaning into those small, subtle shifts in the seasons right now. And yeah, really glad that you're here and tuning in today. This week's episode is all about human design. I personally love exploring all the different systems and tools that can help us identify certain traits in ourselves, get to know ourselves a little bit better, ask those like introspective questions to see what sticks, what resonates, and what doesn't, like horoscopes, tarot, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram. Like to me, all of these systems are not my absolute truth by any means, but they do help me go inward, see what resonates, what clicks with me. Maybe I recognize something new in myself or I'm able to name something that I feel that I wasn't really like aware of or didn't have the vocabulary before. So that's how I feel about them. Um, And that's how I feel about human design. I I take what I identify with and what serves me. And if there's aspects that are a little too woo-woo or if I'm not super connected to them, it doesn't discount all the other things that I did identify with. I just don't need to focus on that stuff. We love a middle ground where things are not all black and white. And that's kind of my approach to human design because it can be a little bit on the woo-woo side that you'll hear when we get into it. It does require that you... um, know your birth time and state city all of like birth information to get a chart basically you put in your information and then you get your birth chart and then you definitely will see how complex these charts are um so it's helpful to have someone who knows the system like our guest this week who can really walk you through what is in your chart and what different things you can look at and apply and integrate in your own life My experience with human design is pretty limited so far. I had heard about it several times and was just curious what type I was. And then I finally looked at my chart and I found out that I'm a projector. So there's basically five types that you could be. um, Generator, manifesting generator, projector, manifester, and reflector. So I'm a projector and I really resonate with a lot of the traits of projectors. 
We get into more about projectors and the other types of human design with our guest this week, Katie Irvin. She is a human design teacher, and she really knows her stuff when it comes to all the different nuances that come with each different type. Um, You'll definitely hear some of the detail that can be included in your chart. We really just hit the tip of the iceberg with all that can encompass human design. So if you're curious, if you do know your type, um, you'll have a different lens to listen to this episode with. If you don't already know your type, I linked a link in the show notes that you can use to find your chart. So feel free to do that first. It might give you more context listening to this episode, um, but I also don't need to stop listening. So if you do stop to get your chart, definitely come back and listen to it. Okay, let's get into it. I have not met anyone who's like, yes, human design. I've been practicing and following this for my whole entire life. It's you. There's usually like an uncovering of it. So I'm just curious yeah. how you came across it and how you really connected with it. So human design in and of itself is a newer system. It was only kind of like downloaded, let's say, in the late 80s. And I mean, it's based on so many ancient systems. So they have been around for ages. But for myself, it was almost four years ago now that I discovered human design, which is, I think, still early considering like the way it's really been blowing up recently. But I was at a retreat that I was, I was working at this retreat. So I used to work for a business coach and she was hosting this like beautiful mastermind retreat in Paris at the, where was it? Um, I can't think of the name of the hotel, the Ritz. There we go. It was like this beautiful place, right? Yeah. All of her clients. And she had a coach there that actually specializes in like relationships and intimacy, but for whatever reason, decided to talk about human design during that mastermind. And she was kind enough to run my chart in addition to everybody else's. And I had been so obsessed with any kind of personal development, personality test, anything like that for years. And it was really interesting because I'm a manifester, which is only about 10% of the population, give or take. And I was the only manifester in the room, which isn't that rare. It was, you know, less than 20 people. So it kind of made sense. Mm -hmm. But when she was talking about the different types, manifestors are supposed to be very like able to like do things and make an impact and get things started. And I was like, how come I'm the only manifester that's supposed to have all this like alleged power and I'm like the assistant at the back of the room and everybody else has these like six, seven figure businesses that are all these other types. It's just like, it feels like there's something in it that resonated so deeply with me. But it was so, I, I was so clearly not living out that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. I was so curious of like, what am I kind of doing wrong? Like, how come I'm supposed to be able to be like this, but I'm so far from it. And it became pretty evident pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but that was my yeah. introduction to human design. If, if something like clicks with you like that, especially if you're like, there's a disconnect, like it probably resonated with you, but then you're like, but all the good stuff is not happening for me. So Mm -hmm. what's going on? So what happened from there? What did the journey look like? What did you actually have to change to to reach the full potential of a manifester if you ever feel like you, I'm assuming you did, but I don't want to assume. I mean, I think it's a journey, you know, I think it's always like the potential is always expanding, but I definitely feel a lot more alignment with that now. And so I don't think everyone has to do this, but what I did on my journey, not 100% because of human design, but just how things happen to play out, um, I got divorced. I moved from California back to Toronto. 
I quit my job. <laughs> I got another job. I like literally I set my entire life up in flames and kind of like started from scratch again. Yeah. Okay. Again. Wait. Was this like cognizant? Like I. Like, how, how did you go into – because these are, like, big buckets of life things that you have. Like, evaluate the relationship. Evaluate your work. Like, were you then looking at those big things through the lens of your human design and then kind of, like, going from there? Or were you just, like, we need to scrap everything? <laughs> and Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, like, I felt that hum- – like, learning about human design was almost this piece that – affirmed how wrong everything in my life was at that point because it's Mm -hmm. like I felt like it for so long like I had literally lived my entire life trying to make everybody else around me happy and it just was not working um, for them or for me and so my marriage kind of been on the rocks for a little while and it was just kind of like all the I don't know stars lined up I mean it was also like right around my Saturn return so I'm not sure if you're Mm -hmm. familiar with that Mm -hmm. yeah I'm 29 I just turned 29 (laughs) okay Yeah. And so, yeah, I was also, I had just turned 29 and then it was like, boom, like everything in my life just kind of blew up right like two weeks after I found out about human design. So it wasn't necessarily like because of human design that I'm getting a divorce and all this stuff, but it was just like, wow, I I felt like I could, like the potential that I sensed inside wasn't wrong, that it was like, no, there's actually something here. There's something deeper. Like this dream that I have for a different life is not crazy. It's like, it's something that's tangible. It's something that I can get. And my entire life right now is not working. So mm-hmm. it wasn't fully because of human design, but it was definitely a contributing factor. But where human design really contributed to me was in the rebuilding. Because once I had sort of demolished everything, it's like, okay, well, well, now what? Like, how do I make these decisions? What do I do? I have these kind of ideas of what I want. But even looking back, it's like things have you know, changed quite a bit of what I thought I wanted versus where things are now. And using my human design really helped me to make those decisions and to like get more acquainted with like who I am and how I'm designed to be and like trust the path that I'm on. Mm, Yeah, that makes so much sense with just rebuilding and having a different framework to really like build what you wanted your life to look like after that. So let's like backtrack a little bit and go through (laughs) like what the different types are So there's manifester, and then what else? So you're a projector. Mm -hmm. So those are two of the less common types. The the least common type is a reflector. They're about 1% of the population. Manifestors are about 10%. Projectors are about 20%. And then the 70% is made up of generators and manifesting generators. There's different opinions on this type depending on where you learn human design from, I guess. Some people say that there's only generators and manifestors are kind of a subtype. Um, Some people believe that they're two distinct different types. So however you want to look at it, um, sort of pure generators are are about uh, 37% of the population and then manifesting generators, which are a hybrid between manifestor and generator types, although still leaning a little bit more towards the generator side, um, they're about 33% of the population. So they're the majority, the generator types. And then people like you and me are in the kind of minority. So we operate a little bit differently than most people do. But there's still, you know, 30% of the population of the world is still a massive <laughs> number of people. Yeah, absolutely. When I read mine, I was like, that makes so much sense that I, yeah, I just have always kind of felt that I did things a little bit differently and didn't really fit the mold of the structures that are around me in terms of like work and 
just like the cadence of life I I just I've often been like what are we doing like this is so much (laughs) and then (laughs) reading what a projector like feels and how they are designed I was like that makes so much sense and it felt really relieving to me so like when I read it obviously like you know more than I do but (laughs) what I read about projectors and you can add to it is that projectors they don't have a replenishing energy source so they have to be really careful with their energy and they they're not like creating new energy throughout their day so every little thing that takes energy it can have the like possibility of like depleting them and feeling like really burnt out more easily just feeling like not aligned because of the lack of energy what else would you add to like a projector's persona yeah, gosh, I think there's so much to say about projectors. I think what you're sharing is what so many projectors initially relate to yeah. because they're just like, yeah, I'm exhausted. This mm-hmm. hustle stuff doesn't work for me. And I saw you had a recent episode on your podcast. I actually don't know <laughs> yeah. how recent it was, but about burnout, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so common for it's so common for everybody these days, but especially yeah. for projectors because it's like your energy operates differently. And if you're trying to keep up with the generators and the manifesting generators, it's not gonna work. Same with being a manifester, you know, my energy is very much like big and it's gone. And so it really kind of works in these cycles and it's not something that's as sustainable as other energy types. And so Mm. there's so much more that I would say about a projector. You know, you generally have this sort of like unique genius in the world where it's like there's this unique thing that you see you have a different perspective you have something that you're really here to share and it's about finding that thing that you love and being recognized for that and so for projectors a lot of it is more so of being recognized for that kind of wisdom as opposed to for your hard work so Mm -hmm. I always talk to projectors where it's like you can choose to be recognized for anything except hard work like you're not allowed to do that (laughs) because projectors Mm -hmm. love recognition they love to be seen they love to be recognized for what they have to offer and we're designed to recognize you but it's like you need to be doing the right thing and if you're Mm -hmm. trying to trade your like labor or your hard work you're potentially going to be recognized but for the wrong thing and then you're just going to be burnt out when you have so much more to offer the world in terms of really being able to manage and guide energy. So it's like you can help other people and see them in their alignment, see how their energy is working out, see how you know they can be best guided. And the main thing, of course, with the projector is that they're very much designed to work through invitations. And so it's less, it's, it's, and I really see that as taking the path of least resistance. You know, it's like if you imagine um, going out for dinner right? Think of the amount of effort where it's like, if you have to plan the dinner, if you have to find the location, if you have to make the reservation, if you have to sort out all this stuff, and I get in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal, but, um, but it's, it's effort, right? It's like all the planning. It feels like a lot. I mean, that tires me out. Versus the invitation of someone being like, Hey, Sarah, there's this great restaurant that I want to try. I have a reservation on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Do you want to join me? And Count then it's me just in. Like, Ooh, <laughs> yes. Right. And so it's just like that ease. And when you're aligned as a projector, the invitations come and it's something that's so counterintuitive. And I think a lot of people sometimes feel, especially around the projector strategy, that's what it's called. The invitation mm-hmm. aspect of it is like they feel that somehow like their power is being taken away from them that it's like if they can't like initiate and start things and force things that they're somehow like, I don't know, not going to have the things they want in life. 
when it's like, no, you're designed to be so magnetic that the invitations come to you and it's just so easy. Like I had one client that I worked with that was a projector that wanted to do meditation retreats and she literally got an invitation to do meditations at a retreat but didn't have to plan it, didn't have to advertise for it, didn't have to like do any of the things other than just show up and run these meditations. And it's like, how beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally feel that. And for me, it was it was just relief. Like I did not feel like any sense of like lack of control or anything because of the amount of energy that it takes for me to do some of like the simple things that you were saying, like planning a dinner, like that is exhausting for me. Like I don't like doing that. I don't like any of it and so to hear like you were designed to like wait for those invitations and not to say like I don't have to put in the work like I still have to like get guests you know like I can't just like take anyone that comes in my inbox you know I have to like actively outreach but it did take a lot of pressure off to say like if you don't hear back or if that person says no really no big deal because like something else will come your way and there's like a few so we're um we're in the podcast mastermind together this summer And I've been talking to our coach, Sam, about an opportunity or like what I can be doing. And she mentioned an in-person event. And that's one of those things. And I'm like, ugh, that sounds awful. I don't (laughs) want to put together like an in-person event because of exactly what you just said. And I've had like an opportunity come up, not like booked or anything, but I have a call set at least to talk about that exact scenario that you said that's happened to someone else with meditation to interview, like be the podcaster, local podcaster to interview um, like a panel at an event that I didn't plan. And I'm like, Perfect. yes, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the type of opportunity that I would need. So it makes so much sense to me, but that's obviously projector side of things. Yeah. Let's compare it to manifestors since that's who we are. Like what are the differences between those two? And like, what do you experience since the energy levels might be, I guess, comparable Yeah, I think the energy levels can be somewhat similar. So when I look at human design, I often look at the differences between what I call sacral types, which are generators and manifesting generators, because the sacral center, which is similar to the sacral chakra, if anyone's into that, um, that's what human design views as like the sustainable motor, like the sustainable energy source. So the manifestor, or sorry, the manifesting generators and generators have that. The reflectors, the projectors, and the manifestors don't have that. And it's not that you don't have any energy, but you just have a different quality of energy. And I kind of look at um, like the the non-sacral type, so the reflectors, projectors, manifestors, as like we're the the shiny kind of like short energy. So it's like I often call projectors like a, a Lamborghini. You know, it's like you're not going to be towing a massive load of. I don't know, diamonds or whatever, it doesn't matter, across the country. Like, you're not going to move your house across the country being towed behind a Lamborghini. Like, that would be crazy. Right. Um, but you, it's like, you take care of your Lamborghini, you take it out for a nice drive, you show it off, and then you bring it home after, like, a short drive, and you cover it up in your little, like, car blanket and put it away in the garage, right? And it's like, it's not that one thing is better than the other. It's not that, like, the sustainable energy is better. It's better to be a generator or a manifesting generator, and it's no better to be a projector. It's just like there's different qualities. And mm-hmm. so in terms of the the energy for manifestors, it's somewhat similar to a projector, but we have a lot more power kind of initially in, in sort of surges, I would say. So we really have a lot of power to initiate and to get things moving, and then it kind of just bottoms out, I find. 
Um, and there's different qualities that go into it that depend on sort of what type of manifester you are in terms of like being an emotional manifester or an ego manifester or whatever, which we don't really need to get into. Um, but there are, of course, differences and nuances with everything. And so in terms of strategy for projectors where you're designed to wait for the invitation, I'm designed to inform is what the official sort of manifestor strategy is. But what I reframe it as is that manifestors are designed to follow their urges where it's like when I get an urge to do something, it's different than getting an idea. And it's something that's taken me time to really like discern the difference between them. But when mm -hmm. I get an urge, it's like, that's what I'm waiting for. So it's like, you're waiting for an invitation for someone to come to you. But it's like, when I get the urge, that's like, plan that dinner, invite that person, do this thing. That's where I know the alignment is for me. And one of the big examples in my life around following urges or like the bigger one, I guess that I followed is around creating an online course that I made last year. And I resisted it for a long time because sometimes the urges are like, what? No, I can't do that. Like, who am I to be doing this thing? Mm -hmm. Other people do it. I don't need to. But I find for me, when you have like the kind of right urges, they're just relentless. It's like they don't go away. Even starting this podcast. So I'm starting a podcast as well. Like mm -hmm. you mentioned, we're in a podcast mastermind together. I've had this urge for probably at least a year and a half. And I've sort of just like ignored it. Like, no, I don't need to do this. No, no. And I'm like, okay, it's been almost two years. Let's just, let's just follow this and get this going. I evidently have the, the energy there for it. So those are the big differences between, um, between the manifestor and the projector kind of strategy and like way of operating where it's like you're designed to really have things come to you. And it's like manifestors are designed to kind of like have that urge, that like internal download that's like, okay, let's go. Let's get this started. It, I feel like it probably looks different because I, I feel something similar, but it's not necessarily like an urge like that spirals me into action. It's more like I know that that's my next step. And there's mm -hmm. been like a few things and maybe I don't know if that could be considered an invitation, but it's not coming from anywhere but myself. It's just like I I know that this is what I'm going to pursue now. And I've had like a few big things that have like always been consistent when feeling that way, like a trip that I was going to do or a job change that I was going to do or starting the podcast or like those things. I'm always just like, yes, that's my next step. Like 100%. I know that that's what I'm going to do. It's just going to take me a long time to figure out how to get there. Yeah. And I think we always need to remember, regardless of what our human design is, like, we're here to do the stuff that feels good for us. So we have whatever kind of intuition inside of us that's like, yes, this is the thing. And you don't ever need an invitation to do what you love. And one of the things I think when you think about projectors, it's like, I can't remember where I heard this example. I think it was from Karen Curry, where she talks about projectors of like, if you want to be recognized as an author, you need to get writing right? It's like, you're not going to be lying on your couch, doing nothing, watching Netflix, and just have someone mm -hmm. come and knock on your door and be like, hey, do you want to write a book? Like live a life that's worth writing about, or write a blog or write Instagram captions or mm -hmm. self publish a book. It's like, do the thing that you love to do. And that's where you'll get recognition from. And there's a really uh, fine line between doing something that you love and getting recognition versus doing something to get recognition. Yeah, because of course you like that. <laughs> like yeah. everyone likes that. Of course. But it's like, it, I find that really backfires for projectors. That it's like when you're trying to do something to get recognition, it doesn't happen. 
And it's usually not like purely motivated because you're doing it to get the recognition. And then you get burnt out because you're using all this energy as opposed to doing something that you love. And then you the recognition naturally follows. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense, especially when you're doing I think just to add another layer of like confusing (laughs) nuance to it. But if you're also trying to do something online, like it's so hard to balance, I think, like exactly what you're talking about, the validation that comes with having a social platform, like just naturally, even if you're not looking for it, like you will get it because people like your stuff and they comment and they engage with you and that feels good to you. Like anyone's human brain, like human design aside. (laughs) Yeah, like it's just like a human thing. So I think especially like if if it's in an industry like that where I know a lot of people who are listening are trying to like have a space online, like that's really hard to balance. And asking yourself like, are you looking for recognition? I mean, even if you're not a projector, I think it's a valuable question to ask if you're for looking sure. for looking for that validation or like just creating to put it out there. But um, yeah. yeah, I also read that projectors are, are meant to like lean into that thing that Mm -hmm. they're drawn to and then the invitation comes. Yeah, 100%. And I think sometimes it's really tricky because we're often very used to doing things for the recognition, right? And so it's like, we're like, well, what is that thing? Like, what is that thing that I love? Like, maybe I'm so off track, I have no idea. And I remember for myself, and you know, I'm not a projector, but I remember years and years ago, like before I found human design, always doing stuff of trying to figure out what my passion is. Like I would be trying so hard and I just felt like I had Mm -hmm. no idea. And it's like, well, of course you have no idea. You haven't been paying attention to yourself like your entire life, you know? And one of the big, huge mistakes I had made literally my entire life as a manifester is always asking everybody else for feedback. That's like the last thing that manifestors are designed to do. It's like, this is what I want. This is the urge. This is what I'm doing. And not in a way that you're being a jerk about it, but it's just like your opinion doesn't it really doesn't matter it really doesn't matter getting this from something else yeah and one of the ways is like manifestors are sort of designed and I always feel weird saying this as a manifester but it's like we're kind of designed to be ahead of the curve so it's like our urges we know what we want and other people might not be caught up to that yet Mm -hmm. and as an example a couple of years ago I was really wanting to start a coaching business around self-love which not shockingly is a massive kind of wound in my chart or a massive challenge in my chart that I'd worked really hard to overcome and I wanted to start a coaching business around it. But it wasn't a thing like it is now. There wasn't Mm -hmm. like a hundred books about it and Instagram things about it. It wasn't like a normal thing to talk about it. It was weird. And I was working with a coach at the time who (laughs) was maybe not the best. Um, And I definitely was not following my strategy and authority when I started working with her. It was like a very high pressure situation. And when I said that I wanted to do that, she was like, "Mm, no, that's lame. And I was like, oh, and she's like, I think you should do this instead. And so I started trying to build this other business that never got off the ground, that never had any success, that felt terrible to me. And then I just kind of felt like a loser because it's like, oh, I thought this thing was going to be so good and it's something that I'm so passionate about, but like she thinks it's stupid. And so it's just like, wow, where would I have been in that business had I just like stuck to my own guns and was like, I'm just going to do this because I'm so passionate about it. Like perhaps I would be at like the forefront of that whole movement and you know, whatever things happen, how they happen. It's totally fine. But it's just really interesting where it's like as a manifester, if you're asking other people for feedback, they might not have any idea of 
the the need or the interest in what you're creating. So they're not going to be able to kind of like meet you where you're at with this new thing. <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense. And we haven't talked too much about the other types. Is that yeah. something that like are generators and manifesting generators like more designed for that type of feedback? Um, yes and no. So I'll talk about reflectors quickly first because I feel like because they're the one percent, they often get like relegated to like the very end. Um, and I have a lot Come of on, refle- we'll, we'll get them in the middle here. We're thinking yeah, about you one percent. Exactly. Um, and so reflectors are very different again with the one percent. They're completely open. So if you're looking at a human design chart, you'll see that there's all these different shapes. Some of them will be colored in. Some of them will be white. In reflectors, all of the shapes, which are called centers, are white. And so they really have this capacity to amplify everybody around them. And so it's like they're constantly reflecting everybody in the world around them. And for them, they move a lot more slowly, generally speaking. Their decisions are designed to be aligned with like the lunar cycle. So it's like they need time, like a full month in many cases, if not more, to make big decisions. And in our world of like Amazon Prime, I need this in like four hours. It's difficult to be, again, that different. So it's like as a projector, you know, you feel different. But as a reflector, again, it's just a completely different way of being. And they have the capacity for so much wisdom, but it's just so different in terms of how we operate. They also do well in terms of finding the right communities because they're amplifying people around them. So if they're good, then their community's good. Mm-hmm. Their environment's good. But if they're off, it's like, okay, it's time to find new people to be around because you're amplifying energy that's not working for you. Um, so that's what I wonder I like what to... type of like careers they gravitate towards. I I mean, the majority of reflectors that I know uh, work in human design. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I find that they often gravitate towards understanding people because, again, they're reflecting people and it's like they're constantly experiencing these other people's energies. They can also be great guides because it's like they – they see energetically how things are working. They feel how things are working. They can, yeah, I mean, I think that they can, all of us can be great in any area, but mm-hmm. it's just figuring out how that best works with our own energy type and how that can be sustainable and feel good for us. Yeah, totally. I want to know what reflectors I have in my circle because it's it's a tricky one. It's 1%. It is. So it doesn't like normally through personality types going through descriptions, I'm able to say like, oh, that's so-and-so or oh, I bet she's definitely that. And with reflector, I don't know. So I'm curious if anyone yeah. is. Yeah. Reflectors often will be like very much chameleon-like because again, they're amplifying the people they're around. So if a reflector has a really constant community, they'll likely amplify that community. And so you might think like, oh, hey, this person is like this. But if you take them out of that community, they're potentially going to be an entirely different person because, and not like in a weird way, I think it's so cool because it's like they're in this constant discovery of themselves. But it's difficult to be like, oh, they must be a reflector because like X, Y, Z. And there's mm-hmm. certain traits, but again, it's going to really depend on their environment and their community. And then the other thing I find with human design types in terms of like being able to identify them in your friend circle or family is alignment plays such a huge role. So looking at myself, if someone, if I had never found out about human design and someone else in my friend group did, they would never think that I was a manifester because I was like a super out of alignment manifester for the majority of my life. So it's like you never would have thought that about me unless, mm-hmm. I don't know, you're like a ninja with human design and you know, that I was <laughs> out of alignment manifesto, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense because, I mean, I think a lot of people who are not in 
that main category, I mean, if you're not in alignment, like, yeah, that's probably the case because of the way society is built and the just the norms that we have are not really designed for the three that we've already talked about who kind of do things a little bit differently. Totally. Yeah. So let's shift and talk about the majority now, which yeah. I still like to remind people because sometimes I come across people that are generators or manifesting generators and they feel like a little bit let down, like they're not unique or they're not special. Yeah. And that's totally not the case, even though you're you know, in the majority of the energy types, every single, like I have never come across a human design chart where I'm like, oh, that's just a, a normal human design chart. Like that's just Run an average. design chart. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we're all so unique. We're all, um, you know, we all have different energies and gates and channels and profiles and all of these combinations, even if you're in like the statistical majority like you are still a unique, special, wonderful flower of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, even like I said, if you're in this sort of majority of the energy types. And so with generators and manifesting generators, they're really designed to respond to the world around them. So this is where you were kind of asking about like manifestors and getting that feedback. That's sort of like generators where it's like they're designed to almost how I like to put it is like they're designed to be in this like dance with the universe all the time. So it's like the universe takes a step and they follow. And so they're constantly in this response where it's like they're always responding and it's their sacral center that really is at the the core of that, of like, what is a heck yes for me? Like what lights me up? What makes me so excited? What is like a full body all in? And again, there's nuances to this when you add in authority, which is a different part of human design. But for the most part with those types, it's like, what is a like, yes, like I'm so excited or like, no, get me away from this. And so Mm -hmm. it's really being able to follow that. And again, it's like, I feel like we know how to do this at our core. We know how to be in alignment. We know how to trust our intuition and we often just don't. And that's where human design, you know, talks a lot about mental decisions and how there's, they're not really the most useful to us because it's so easy to take ourselves away from like our true knowing and our true intuition, we know how to do this. Like we get it. Human design is just a tool that like helps us to reaffirm these ways of being, I think. Like the mental piece and making decisions and stuff, it's easy. There's so many things that could be going on that you would go to like that type of decision-making tactic. Like, of course, you want to think things through. So you like go, like the framework that we've been taught, that's what we draw from. So if like we're told a certain way of doing things or indirectly being told a certain way of doing things then like well I guess I'll try that like people who are successful usually have a bunch of to-do lists and they work this amount of hours per day and they do it this way and so that's what I'm going to do like even if it's out of alignment for me and one of the things that human design often talks about is how there's a big overemphasis in our current time on logic that like logic is the only true way to like know that if things are logical, that if they're like sort of sequential, if they make sense, if they've been thought out, then like that's a more legitimate version of truth. If you make a yeah. logical decision versus just knowing, like I think of past relationships where it's like I would meet someone and they sure tick all the boxes. We have good chemistry. Things are good, but it's just like, no. And, you know, I I didn't listen to that no, and I got divorced many years later. And it's like, we don't, it's like, well, logically, like, you talk yourself out of it, because it's like, well, no, be this and that, and blah, 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 and 
I mean, all these justifications and all these mm -hmm. reasons and logic and logic, this makes sense versus trusting yourself to just be like, no, or, or yes, like this person doesn't make any sense or this decision doesn't make any sense, but like everything in my bones are just like, go for it. Yeah. Do you think that's why like generators and manifesting generators don't feel as like special because their type is more like they can really thrive with the logic that's already been established? I still don't necessarily think logic is a good place for them either because yeah. it's still for them. I, I think often for generator types, they have a stronger relationship because like their gut or their sacral response is generally fairly loud for them. So I find it's a little bit easier for them to do that because it's just something that's harder to ignore. Um, but there's still a lot of generators that get really trapped in like a life of shoulds where because they have the energy to do things, someone asks them, hey, can you do this? And they're like, yeah, okay, I'll do this. And they get really trapped in these obligations. And so it's just as easy for them to be out of alignment because, I, well, I mean, maybe not just as easy, but whatever. It's it's not a, a race for this year of competition. Yeah. Um, but it's really, it can be really easy for them to get trapped in using their energy for other people or doing the things that you should do and really getting into the obligations as opposed to the things that light them up. Because it's like we are very much sold this um, paradigm of like success requires hard work. And for generators, they can use their hard work. And it's like, okay, I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to be successful, even though it's something that I hate doing. And now it's like I'm like eyeballs deep into this thing that I hate, but I have to keep going because how else am I going to make money? I can't just do things that light me up. Like what kind yeah. of, you know, wildness is that? And then with manifesting generators – they're, they very much have a, a keynote of being multi-passionate. And so I look at manifesting generator energy as kind of like exponential. And so we think that if we focus on one thing, that we're going to get further ahead in that one thing. But with manifesting generators, it's like their energy just moves outwards. It's not a focused thing. So it's like they could make just as much progress going in like five different directions because it's like their energies just sort of spreads mm -hmm. versus trying to just do one thing. And it's like the more they do stuff they love, the more energy they have for those things. But they're often told like, what's wrong with you? You have to focus. You can't be doing all these different things. And like one of my favorite manifesting generators I did a reading for, it was just like so funny how like just like a, a stereotypical version was like a lawyer that owned a yoga studio that also had a scrunchy business on the side and had like two other things that they were doing. I can't remember what they were, but like had five different things. And it was just like my like little manifestor self could not possibly comprehend mm -hmm. doing all those things. I know it's people like, like oh, that for gosh. sure. Um, and so I find that's very typical of manifesting generators that are really in alignment because it's just like the more they do what they love, the more energy they have to do more things that they love, to give them more energy. And it's just like this constant expansion. Yeah. Um, and they're often told not to do that. Where That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I'm sure that would be just like, and that would be anyone's like natural business advice, I would think, unless yeah. they had like human design background or knowledge, because we're always told like, no, like you're doing way too many things, put your energy in one place. Exactly. So this is kind of moving on to the topic of authority a little bit. And authority is how you're designed to make decisions in human design. And 50% of the world has what's called emotional authority, which essentially means that you're designed to take time to make decisions. And you need to be in sort of this emotionally neutral place to make decisions. 
and that requires time. And there's this general like business advice of successful people make decisions quickly and change their minds slowly. And so I'm an emotional authority person. And when I first learned this, I was like, that is not helpful. I'm supposed to take my time to make decisions. Cool. Like maybe the system's garbage. I don't know. Cause this is just not helpful at all. Right. Mm-hmm. But then the more I started to use it, it was like, Oh, I can really see that spontaneous decisions do not work well for me. And they're often from a place of like really like intense fear or like really high excitement, but it's like something that just clouds my ability to see clearly. And when you look at, again, the general world with business advice of this whole like make decisions quickly, it's like, no, for 50% of the world, that's a completely wrong yeah, way to fail operate. Fast, fail <laughs> forward, go, go, go. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah totally. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to know what my authority is now. I'm definitely going to look it up. What are the other authority types real quick? So there's about seven different authorities. Okay, so maybe <laughs> not real quick. Yeah, I, I won't really go into them, but the emotional authority is the most popular. It's about 50% of the population, like I said. The sacral authority is the next one. Only generators or manifesting generators will have a sacral authority, and that's that like gut, like yes or no. Then we have splenic authority, which is about 10% of the population. And so it's similar in the sense that it's just like intuition. It's very quick. It's generally fairly quiet and it's like in the moment. So it's always what is safe and what is right for you in the moment. And then that's when we get into the less common authorities. So we have self-projected authorities for projectors. And then we have ego authorities that can either be for manifestors or projectors. We have mental authorities for projectors. And then all reflectors have a lunar authority, which is following the moon. So those are kind of Is that of the like their only ones? For reflectors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I want to know who I want to know who <laughs> is a reflector in my life. I'm and gonna you make might everyone not have any. Yeah. No, there's gotta be one. One percent <laughs> there's gotta be out there. Everyone is gonna get the chart after this episode for sure. <laughs> I'm curious, because there's so much in a chart. So 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 much. And like we have only like the very tip of the iceberg have uncovered what all could be in someone's chart. So I'm curious if there's anything that is in your chart that you don't really resonate with. Or is there some, like, yeah, if if you're like, no, I don't really get that. I first, like, to preface, I um, first put in the wrong date when Mm. I did this. And I read it and I was like, what? That's really weird because I really am not clicking with any of this. And then I saw that it had, like, the date and the month mixed around. Yeah. And then I changed it to the right one, and then I was like, yup, <laughs> that's definitely better. But I had that moment of like, what? I don't, like, this is not hitting at all. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. I think, so generally looking at your chart, when you do get a chart, you'll see there's a row of black numbers and then a row of red numbers. So the black are usually on the right side, the red are usually on the left side, um, and the colors might vary slightly depending on where you get it. And so anything that's red in your chart in terms of the numbers, those are generally said to be unconscious. So you often don't fully relate to those. But the more I've obviously studied my human design and talked to people about things, the more I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. Like, so for example, one of the things I didn't really resonate, there's, I have the gate 49, which is often called revolution or principles. And it's a very black and white energy where it's like, you know, when you're done with someone, you're done, you cut them off, you're good, move on. And 
my uh, my boyfriend often will say to me, like, oh, did the guillotine just come down? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it was interesting when I learned about this, and I was like, oh, he sees that in me, and I don't really mm-hmm. see it in myself. And I had a conversation about it about this with him one day, because I was like, I don't really see it. And he was like, are you kidding me? He's like, you are so black and white. Like, when you are done with something, you are done. He's like, go ask your ex-husband. It's like, you woke up one morning, and you were out. And, like, that was it over no conversation. I mean, obviously, we had a conversation. But it's like, there's no getting back together. We are over. There's no hesitation. Like, you've already made your mind, and that's what you've decided. Yeah, and that's kind of the idea behind that gate is, like, it has its principles. And it's like, if you cross the principles, then it's like, we're done. Over. Guillotine comes down, right? Um, but it's tricky because that gate doesn't always do a good job of communicating the principles mm-hmm. ahead of time. But anyways, <laughs> there's, you know, too much to get into with all the gates, so we don't have to go there. But I think yeah. I think that's probably the one area where I was like, mm, I don't know about that. And there's been other things in my chart where I didn't immediately resonate, especially with the gates, because I find it can be fairly difficult to find information that's easy to understand on the gates. So sometimes it's like well, especially you if some are un- unconscious. Yeah, like of course. Yeah, of course. Like you're gonna uncover some stuff. Yeah, and like even so, my incarnation cross, which is a bit of a piece of like the life purpose in the chart, um, mine's called the cross of rulership. And so my one of the gates in that, which is the most prominent one, is the gate 45, which is the gate of um, the ruler or the gate of gathering together, the gate of the king or the queen. They're called a whole bunch of different things. But I didn't really relate to that at first because I was just like a ruler like no that's not me I don't I don't get that and it's like gathering together I don't really think I gather people together and so it's like sometimes taking things at face value don't really make a lot of sense but when I learned more about this gate and more about how it's like very much about taking care of its people and sharing its resources and I was like oh yeah if I have something that I know other people are going to benefit from I'm like sharing it with everybody because it's Mm -hmm. like I need you to be taken care of but it's like it's my people it's not like you know, if someone like random was just be like, oh, hey, I heard you had this thing. Can I have it? It's like, no, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Versus yeah. like, I take care of my people. So it's like, sometimes it's just like learning more of the nuances of things mm-hmm. um, that can that can help. And then Yeah, because it is true for you, but it's not true in every case for you. Yeah. And with the centers, there's one of the centers is called the spleen. And they often talk about like timing and like being able to like, like spleening people like always know what time it is. And I was like, (laughs) I never know what time it is. Like if I don't have a clock that I'm looking at and it's like, you just asked me some random point during the day, what time it is. Like I could be off by several hours. Um, (laughs) But I think what the spleen is great at is timing. So it knows when it's done with something. It knows when it's time to move on. It knows when it's time for something new more than like, I know the time on a watch because I have no idea about that Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) <laughs> mm, yeah, that's interesting. It's another one where it's like the definition seems black and white, but if you dig a little bit deeper, you can kind of see how it works for you or like how it does apply to you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad you have a podcast coming because <laughs> we can go into more stuff because, yeah, it's I'm going to go Google some more stuff about myself after this conversation. But where can everyone find you, get connected with you and everything that's coming up for you? Yeah, for sure. So my main, I guess, area online is Instagram. Um, So I'm on Instagram at sort of spiritual. There's periods in between the words, but if you just type in sort of spiritual, I'll come up. Um, My website's the same thing, sort of spiritual.com. And so I also have a YouTube channel. So if you're kind of new to human design, or if you want to learn a little bit more, I have some videos that are more generally about the basics, 
but I go into, you know, the energy types, all of the centers, like all of these things. So you can definitely dive a little bit deeper into your design. I have a video that I um, kind of like blacked out and recorded a couple years ago. And it's my most popular YouTube video, which is really funny, but it's just like going through the chart. So when you first download your human design chart, if you're like, what the heck am I looking at? That's a really great video to watch. Um, but those are generally the places. Like you said, I have a podcast that's going to be coming out in August. It'll be called sort of spiritual as well. So just keeping it straight. Should be out by the time this airs. So I'll oh, link it. Oh, okay, great. All right, that is it for this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. I love these types of systems and I loved learning that I was a projector. It made so much sense to me, especially the energy piece. I was just like, yes, I was not meant to work this many hours. And I really feel that I don't have like generating energy throughout the day. Like it very much feels like a reserve and I have to be very cognizant of where I put my energy, who I give it to, and what I give it to. Um, would be so curious to know what type you are. DM me on Instagram at the T Police Podcast. I love talking about this stuff and I love hearing like what little things are like, yes, that is so me. And I am just like so resonating with this thing. So tell me what that thing is. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean so much. And share. That's the biggest thing you can do in the podcast world to support a podcast that you love. Share it with a friend. More people to listen. Um, the more people that we can have in our little community. I love you all so much. I will talk to you in the next episode. Oh, and there is a link in the show notes if you didn't get your chart yet and you still want to. Go ahead. Link in show notes. Okay, bye.